Well, this morning, uh, I don't know how many of you are aware, how many of you follow along with the church calendar. Uh, By the way, if you do want to follow along with the church calendar, you can do so. Uh, If you uh, check out uh, various resources, I'm sure you're, uh, if you can find a Christian bookstore, if you can go to christianbook.com on the internet, you can find, uh, just search for lectionary, L-E-C-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y, lectionary, and it will come up with daily lectionaries and uh, weekly ones, which you can follow along for. Uh, but also, if you pick up, if you Google it on the internet, you can find it pretty well. The one that I use most often is from Vanderbilt University, and so you can check that out as well. But the church calendar is neat. Uh, following along with the church calendar allows you uh, to touch on uh, most of the especially significant and meaningful times in the church year uh, throughout uh, using various different passages uh, throughout a three-year cycle, year A, B, and C, and then it repeats over and over again. And of course, this is, uh, this is part of the structure of how we look at uh, all of the things in the gospel so that we, we can look at it over and over again. This is why Uh, At least in part, we celebrate Christmas when we do, when we celebrate Easter, when we celebrate Lent, and when we celebrate Advent. All of these are part of the lectionary. Um, It's also a little bit more uh, easily digestible if you're going with the daily readings than going through the Bible in a year. So if you are one of those people who has done the Bible in a year on uh, on any occasion, well, then good for you. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Doing the Bible in a year is, is that's a lot of reading. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with a lot of reading, but it's also a lot of digesting. And there's often, I find, not really enough room to ruminate, to chew on the scriptures that you're reading because you're reading so much at once. If you go for the daily lectionary and do those readings, then you're doing it over a three-year period and you're not doing every single scripture and so it's a little bit more digestible. Anyways, that's all tangential. Uh, Sorry about that. Um, But uh, today is, this is the point I was trying to get at, Today is Trinity Sunday, and when we talk about the Trinity, uh, there are some really important things that we need to go over. But before we go over those things, let's look at the scriptures. We are going to look this morning at Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 to uh, one to 5, I believe, is what we said. Yes, good. So, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Now, as you're hearing this, as you're reading along, try to pick out the identification of the various parts of the Trinity in this passage. Try to see where you can find them. All right. This is Paul writing to the people of Rome. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. 
And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, before I ask you where you identified the various pieces or parts of the Trinity, uh, both of those words are incorrect, but before you uh, tell me where you identified the various persons, there we go, of the Trinity, um, first of all, I want to ask you, why does the doctrine of the Trinity matter? Why does it matter at all? Why do we bother? And you can't answer your Yeah, it gives us a greater understanding of who God really is. Kent, that's right on the money. And, and really gets at the idea that it's, it's true, so therefore it matters, right? Like 2 plus 2 equals 4 is true, and that's a huge part of the reason of why it matters, right? Uh, if it was untrue, then it would not only be unimportant, it would be irritating and useless, Right? But it's true, so it matters, right? Why else does it matter? Each, each part of the Trinity has specific things. God as our Father. Yeah. Jesus as our brother. Yeah. And the Spirit who lives in us. Yeah. Helps us talk to the Father. Thank you, Jeanette. Yeah, that's, that's true, but we have to be careful. Uh, Jeanette said that each each. Each person of the Trinity has, has different sort of roles or, or things that they do within our lives. And, and that's true, right? We've got God the Father. We've got uh, Jesus, our Savior and brother and Lord. And we've got the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, our, um, our, 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 the person who works to... to uh, Sanctify, no, yes, sanctify us in, in our lives, who lives within us, right? These things are all true, but we have to be careful because there is a, uh, a heresy <laughs> uh, called modalism that says that, um, that it's, it's really that there's one God who appears to us in different guises when God wants to do different things with us or for us. And that's not what you're saying, but we want to be careful that we recognize that somehow there is one God, one only one, we only worship one God, who is in three distinct actual factual persons, not one God who pretends to be something different at different times, and not three gods uh, who we, we fool ourselves into believing are one God. We don't want to go there, right? So, yes, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit each do, and we're going to touch on some of those things, they do different things, as it were, 
uh, in some regards in our own lives. Why else does it matter, the doctrine of the Trinity? The Tyrells are knocking it out of the park here, by the way. Alex, no? You look like maybe... No, no, okay, that's fine. Yes? Yeah. Yes, it demonstrates the complete love of God in, in all of those spaces and in all of creation and all of things. And, 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 the love part is huge, right? Huge, 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 like bigger than big. It's so huge and important, right? So here's the thing. Let's say you were, okay, pick you. Go ahead, Gwyneth. Fine, seminary student. <laughs> I think the biggest impact of all that I've learned about the Trinity is in connection to our reality as image bearers. So we were created by the triune God to reflect the triune God in that relationship, communion relationship, and that relationship here on earth as well. And so that image bearing piece is big, right there with the love piece. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, in fact... I would argue, Gwyneth says that that image-bearing piece is huge, it's, it's big, it's right up there with the love piece. And I would argue that we are created in God's image primarily, most significantly, most importantly, most inextricably in that we were created to love. We are created to be in relationship. Remember, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has never not been, right? God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has always been. Their language fails. There has, there, there, there's no beginning to God. There's no end to God. And though, the, and though Jesus is the Father's only begotten Son, that doesn't mean that there was a time when Jesus was not and then a time when Jesus started. No, no, no. They are all, theologically speaking, co-eternal, right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has always been, which means that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always been in relationship within God's self, right? God is not a singular God who spent some portion of eternity, eternity wandering around alone. If God were a singular God in that sense, then God could not be love. Right? When the Apostle John says in 1 John twice, in like practically in a row, when he says God is love, you cannot be love if there is no one and nothing to love. That just doesn't make sense. There has to be some kind of relationship of some form. And so God has always been within himself in relationship with himself, in perfect, loving unity. And, yeah, okay, I'm going to stick to what I was going to do, because otherwise I'm going to get off and we're going we're gonna to just be lost, right? So we need to remember that God is within God's self, in loving relationship within God's self. God is love. And so when God says to us, 
through Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Then God is giving us, through Jesus Christ the Son, a big, huge hint as to what it means to be an image bearer. To be a human being, properly speaking, is to be an image bearer. And to be an image bearer is to be someone who loves. And it is precisely in the sense that we broke covenant with God and we damaged all those relationships seemingly beyond our, our ability to repair. We did that by twisting our image bearerness and saying, no, 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 I don't want to be in loving relationship with God and with my fellow human being and with the creation that God called me to take care of. Uh -uh. I want to be in control of my own destiny and pick and choose who I will be in relationship with for as long as it suits me. Right? Right? So we broke and twisted and messed up the image bearingness of God by twisting love to be something that we gave out when we wanted to and when it suited us and when we could maintain control over things. And this is where we get back to what Paul has been saying. So uh, first of all, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, this is important. We have been justified through faith. What is Paul talking about? Paul is talking about how the law, obeying the law, keeping the law, cannot ultimately justify us before God. Right? You can, you can keep the ten, ten, the, ten, the ten commandments all your life, all you want, as well as you want, and it's not going to be good enough. You're not going to be able to keep those commandments well enough to satisfy God. Why? Because God demands a, 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 a relationship of perfect love between you and Him, and between you and others, and between you and this creation. And even if you keep the letter of the law, which is sort of getting at that, you are probably definitely going to be missing the spirit of the law and you're going to be lusting after people and stealing from people in your heart and coveting their stuff and, and worshiping other gods with, with your mind and your heart. and You're going to break those commandments. So it's, you are incapable of keeping those commandments. And so Jesus Christ had to come because we couldn't do it, and he had to live that perfect life on our behalf as a fully, totally, completely human being, right? He had to live that life on our behalf. And so then our faith in him and what he did for us makes us justified. Not our actions, not our our, our wishful thinking, not, not, none of those things. Our, we are justified through faith. And therefore, Paul says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's one of the things that Jeanette was getting at, right? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit and the Father are against 
us being at peace with God and Jesus says, no way, man, I'm going to reconcile them anyways. No, no, no. They're all in. They all want everybody to be saved. Right? But, but they, they sent Jesus particularly to live out the life that he needed to live among us. Right? So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So therefore we've got those two persons of the Trinity. God, God the Father and really the whole, uh, the whole Trinity there. God through our Lord Jesus Christ. One part the Son of the Trinity. The person of Jesus. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We now stand in grace. By the way. Right, remember that passage that Cole read for uh, for call to worship or whatever, talking about the glory of Mo- that Moses had and he was hiding it and stuff like this. Remember that that means that you are glorious, right? Right, you are glorious, right? And as we grow in maturity and as we live more and more fully into the grace that we now stand in we get to be more and more glorious, not so that people can look at us and go, ooh, look at, look at them, they're glorious. No, but so that they can look at us and see God in us. Not that we are God, but rather that we are reflecting or shining the light of God for others to see. So we are standing in this glorious grace. We are standing in this grace Right now. And so we boast in the hope of the glory of God, right? The glory of God, which is being revealed in us more and more as we grow in maturity, as we stand in grace, as we are justified by faith. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Okay, wait, what does this have to do with the Trinity? We glory in our sufferings. Well, you see, when we chose to not follow God in our image bearerness when we chose to break those bonds of love as much as we could we broke them so badly that we even forgot what it actually means to be human witness the saying that we have the saying that we have i'm only human right what does i'm only human mean We're not perfect. Yes. And what kinds of not perfect are we talking about when we say I'm only human? Example. We make mistakes. Yes, that's true. Although mistakes are not the same as sins. Right. So and I know you know that. But right. But what else do we do that for? Right. When when we're jealous of somebody, we say, well, I'm I'm only human. Or, or, or when we lie to somebody, little white lie or something like this, well, I'm only human. Or, or when we let somebody down, we disappoint them, we don't keep the, the promise that we said we would keep, right? Then I'm only human. But that's not what it means to be human. What it means to be human is to love. Right? And so when we walk around saying, well, I'm only human, we are acknowledging really that we have broken what it means to be human so badly that we can't even remember what it means to be human. 
And when things are broken that badly, it is hard, 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 hard to change it, right? I, I, I need to get physical exercise. Anybody else need to get physical exercise? Yeah, we all need to get physical exercise. Some of you may be very good at it. That'd be great. But we all need to get physical exercise. I am not nearly in the habit of getting the physical exercise that I should. That was poorly structured, but you know what I mean, right? I don't get as much physical exercise as I should. And it is really actually quite broken in me, right? I do get some physical exercise, but it is not like this is a brand new problem. This has been, I, I don't know, I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life where I actually got the physical exercise that I needed, except maybe, maybe when I was framing houses because that was the job I had and I didn't have a lot of choice in the matter, right? So it's really broken. And what needs to fix it, probably, is a fair amount of suffering. I start, Gwyneth and I started stretching a little while ago. You know, baby steps, right? <laughs> it hurts to stretch. <laughs> I'm having suffering. Poor me, right? Obviously, that's a really small example. But it's also true with my character. It's also true with my character, right? There are things that I, that, that I was born with things that I learned as a very small child that I have been wrestling with and I know that I am not alone and I know that there that you also have these things. They may be different than mine, but you have them. Things that I have been wrestling with for as long as I can remember. I am 48 years old now, right? Yes. I'm 48 years old now, which means that really on some level or another, I have been wrestling with these things. Well, let's give me a couple years where I didn't really know what I was doing, but I've been wrestling with these things for 45 years at least. And I'm still not done. And there's a lot of suffering involved in that. And so we glory in our sufferings. Why? Because our sufferings, we're going to see, are going to lead to hope, which is not going to be disappointed. And the hope is what? The hope is that we are going to be restored and matured into the fullness of our image bearingness, which means that we are going to be brought into maturity in Christ, right? So we glory in our sufferings. Why? Because. We know that suffering, verse 3, uh, part B, produces perseverance. Perseverance is so important. C.S. Lewis talks about this in Mere Christianity. He says, sometimes the temptations that you face, and I'm paraphrasing, please forgive me for that. Uh, the temptations that you face, God doesn't help you overcome those temptations right away. Why? Not because he wants you to give in to those temptations. No, 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 no but because he needs to teach you two things. He needs to teach you, first of all, to pick yourself up and dust yourself off over and over and over and over again, a.k.a. perseverance, 
right? And he needs to teach you, secondly, how desperately you need to cling to your Savior, how you need to cling to God, right? That you can't do it. See, because all of us need to learn over and over and over and over and over again that we can't keep the law. We keep on insisting that, oh, if I just try harder, I can do it. I can be good. I promise. I'll do it. But we can't. And so we need to pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and say, okay, we're going to try again. Perseverance. We're going to try again. We're going to try again. And we need to learn how deeply we need to rely on our God for this help. So, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. How do you learn to actually resist, resist temptation if you don't have perseverance? Right? If you don't have perseverance and you resist temptation once, that's like luck. That's like, ooh, it was a good day. I... I had good breakfast so I could manage to resist that temptation today. Or, uh, I don't know, I wasn't feeling well, so that temptation wasn't all that tempting to me today. Or, I don't know, perseverance is what helps us to actually, eventually overcome temptation. And when we are able to consistently overcome that temptation, that is another piece in the character puzzle of who we were called and created to be. That's another part of that image of God being restored in us. And as we go along, however long it takes, as that character builds and we learn again more and more what it means to live in loving relationship with God, with ourselves and our neighbors, and with the creation that God has given us to care for, that builds character. So that the you that is you now is not the you that you will be later. And certainly not the you that will be when God has finished His work with you. Right? <clears throat> and then this is so good. This is so good. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love, all three persons of the Trinity has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity who has been given to us. So God sends Jesus to give us salvation by faith so that we can stand in that grace place. And then the Holy Spirit works within us and God works within us for suffering to produce perseverance and perseverance to produce character and character produce hope. And that hope does not disappoint us because God's love, which, I mean, He has a lot of it because God is love, that is poured into us through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, Brothers and sisters, this is why the doctrine of the Trinity matters. 
It matters because it is true. And of course that matters. It matters because it gives us a perception, a better perception of who God is in his character. It tells us not only who God is, but who we are, who we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be in his image, which means we are supposed to be love in his image. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself, and love the creation which we have been given to steward. And it shows us that Trinity, that Trinitarian doctrine, shows us how God pours into us with all of God's being, in all of his persons, God pours into us in every way love which resides within us through the Holy Spirit. And it will transform us so that the you of today and the you of yesterday is not a finished story. But instead, someday, you and I, and even today, we are becoming more human than we have ever been. And someday we will finally be human. All the way. (laughs) Right? Brothers and sisters, this is tremendous hope. There are lots of people in the world who really struggle with the doctrine of the Trinity, including there are those who would consider themselves Christians who, who have gone to a, um, yeah, monotheistic sort of idea instead of a Trinitarian idea. They have said that, no, 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 there's only one God, the Father, who presents himself in three different guises depending on what's going on. That's that modalism that I was talking about before. Or they will talk about, no, there's only God, the Father, Right, And the Spirit is just, is just God's power being sent into us. And Jesus, as the Son of God, Jesus was elevated to Godhood because of his good deeds. But that's very different than Trinitarian theology. And, and it's true that, that many of those uh, fellow image bearers who are Muslims struggle with Trinitarian theology. They say, no, 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 you can't be a monotheist You can't believe in one God and have three persons. That's nonsense. And in a lot of ways, who can blame them? That does sound like nonsense. Three persons, one one God. How does that make sense? Right? And, And there are a lot of those who are atheists or agnostics who struggle with the doctrine of the Trinity because how does it make sense? But it is absolutely, totally key, essential to us. Even though there's nowhere in the Bible that you can point to that says the Trinity. The word's not there. It doesn't exist. But it is so critical. Because through that we understand who God is, who we are, who we, who we were before we broke things, and who we will be again when we are fully made human. Not only through the grace in which we stand by Jesus Christ but also through the ongoing sanctifying work of the Spirit. Let us live in that hope, brothers and sisters. Let us pray. 
Father in heaven, thank you so very much that you, O oh God, are not simply one God, although you are one God, but that you are one God in three persons, three in one, one in three. Lord, we don't often think all that deeply, at least I don't, about the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son living in Trinitarian glory and relationship. But Lord, we see how important it is. Lord, help us. Help us to grow through our suffering, to develop perseverance, to develop character, which leads to ongoing hope. Because you, O oh God, have poured your love and continue to pour your love into us through your Holy Spirit. May we, O oh God, one day truly be reflections of your love. And as time goes by, may we reflect more and more of that love to the world around us. That we may be glorious, not for our own sake, but so that all may see the glory of you in your image bearers in this world. Lord, we pray this. All in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to sing together as our song of response, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. This is interesting, right? When we, when we get married, uh, for those of us who are married, we talk about husband and wife becoming one. And how does that happen? That happens through love, right? Love. That husband and wife, even if it's an arranged marriage where they didn't even know each other before, they are supposed to come together as one in love, right? And this is a teeny tiny little taste of what the unity among the Trinity must be like. They are one God in three persons because they are love. God is love. And so when Jesus belongs to us, that is a foretaste of glory divine because we also are brought into oneness through love. So let us stand together and sing Blessed Assurance.